Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is a journey back to the forums of bluelight.ru. Now, bluelight.ru is a forum where people who love drugs come to share their experiences and knowledge together. It's very similar to drugs-forum or many other websites, but I enjoy bluelight.ru. I haven't been back to this website since 2012, so I thought, why not revisit the Blue Light? And it's been a while since I've done any drug trip stories, so here we go. But before we go any further, I want to first quickly make an announcement. If you do not follow me on social or do not belong to the Facebook group, which I recommend that you do both of those things. I don't know why you don't. I recently announced that I have a t-shirt for sale for Lou Reed's internet for the first time. And the way it works is there needs to be a minimum of the orders in order for the shirts to be made. Uh, And that number is 11. So if you listen to the podcast and you'd like a Lou Reed's the internet for you t-shirt please go to loureads.com or you can look me up on king underscore lou at twitter and there it'll be there or it will be hmm, where's where else could it be uh or on the facebook page or if you want to go to the actual url it's bonfire.com slash lou dash reads dash the dash internet dash four dash you backslash so yeah a t-shirt and right now i believe there are seven t-shirts ordered so we only need four more t-shirts to make the order and it's a great gift uh you can see it's the design that's on my stickers right now and the company bonfire makes these like small campaign t-shirts and you just if you want one you get it if you don't want one ignore this part of the episode but i hope that you want one because it's the first time i've had one and i've been doing this podcast for around eight years so if you want to rep lou reads around your campus and be have people say hey where'd you get that swell shirt Now you'll be able to say, I got it on the internet, which is nothing very special to say. Anyway, yeah, so if you're interested in a t-shirt, please seek it out at those places that I mentioned. Um, And with that, we'll segue into saying thank you to all the people who support the podcast on Patreon. And thank you to all the people who have been reviewing the show. There had been sort of a drought of a couple of months of reviews, but then some nice reviews came in. And I also started checking the international reviews on iTunes, which are not available unless you do some dumb trickery so thank you to everyone around the world who's been reviewing the podcast for all these years if i didn't thank you now i'm thanking you all right so let me see i got uh lou reed's t-shirts patron i still have stickers and magnets and i have sent out a bunch of them so if you want a sticker and magnet i'm getting down to the bottom of my magnet box so if you have a desire for a magnet with some stickers please email me at lou reed's at gmail.com and please be sure to add your address so many people write and say now what do i do well i can't send you anything until you give me your address all right with that we wrap up the business part of the podcast and get into the real meat and potatoes of the podcast all right okay so the first thing we'll read and everything that we're going to be reading is from this subform so i won't be reading it so the first thing we'll read is from the blue light.ru forum subform drug discussion subform trip reports in a story started by no one one entitled first time pot brownies zero tolerance a nightmare from hell and it goes like this a couple of months ago i made pot brownies for my so who has medical problems and not touching cannabis for about a couple of years i decided to indulge in them myself What proceeds is a description of the stupidest thing I have ever done in my life. I sautéed about an eighth, question mark, brackets, sorry, I'm bad at measurements. I just threw a handful or two in there, of keef in with about a couple tablespoons coconut oil and a stick of unsalted real butter for about 30 minutes until the bud was lightly toasted. Then I followed the recipe on the Pillsbury brownie box as normal, but replaced my pot mixture for the required oil. Since I've tried cannabis in pretty much all forms except brownies, I decided what the fuck and had a really big chunk of brownie thinking I could totally handle it, even though I had zero tolerance to pot at the time and have reacted pretty badly to even just tokes of pot in the past. I have a pretty bad underlying anxiety order. That is untreated, by the way. The first half hour, I feel okay, a little giggly. I start watching TV. All of a sudden, 
bam, everything starts getting really colorful and bright. I realize that I have just made the biggest mistake of my life. I try to make myself throw up, but nothing comes out, so I swig about a half a gallon of milk and shove about seven pieces of bread into my mouth. I tell my SO I have made a huge mistake and drop the jug of milk on the floor, leaving the fridge open. I fall on the couch and stare at the TV. I keep repeating the phrase, quote unquote, I've made a terrible mistake, and start zoning out. My SO tries to call me and asks if there's any music or movies they can put on to call me. I say emphatically no and tell them to turn off the TV as it is freaking me out. They do so, and I slump down to the floor, drooling slightly. At this point, for about four hours, I get the fear really bad and spend the entire time slumped against the table, banging my head and thrashing about. Quite frankly, what happened is this. Lady Sativa realized I was disrespecting her, grabbed me betwixt two fingers, and proceeded to whip me about and shake my entire world. To give a... To give a little more insight, I am a person who has had anxiety and depression all of my life who has tried to follow many spiritual teachings. This experience made me realize my attempts at dissolving my ego were laughable. At one point, I suspect I had a seizure of some sort as I can dimly remember drooling, putting my hand against my chest, and flopping about. The visions I had that day rocked my entire world. I can almost believe that I was transported to a hell realm as the panic and hellish hallucinations I faced were the most realistic and frightening ones of my life. My heart was pounding so hard against my chest I really thought I was going to die. I told my SO that they must call 911 right away and that I was having some terrible reaction and was dying. They said calling 911 for pot was pretty ridiculous and refused. Immediately after that, I actually saw myself being transported away in an ambulance on a gurney with needles and shit all in me. I swear to God it was real. Suddenly I hear my SO and realize it was nothing but a hallucination. I flop a little more. The next hallucinations are what categorize the entire trip as the most terrible things I will never forget. It is hard to describe, but it was like a statue flowering in and out. Everything would shift about and I would pose, shifting up and down, spreading my arms open and then folding down into a ball. And during all of this, my mind would realize that it was dead, but dead. But that was all I could think about. When I wasn't expanding in and out against my will, I was in a panic thinking only that I was dead. Occasionally I would hear my SO and I would be momentarily snapped out of my days, but this made things even worse. I sincerely thought I was dead at this time and this was it. Not even blissful nothingless to look forward to. Just this psychological hell for the rest of eternity. Eventually my SO voice brought me back and it was like a lone light in the darkness leading me back to reality. I hugged myself and rock and cry on the floor saying, quote unquote, please tell me it's going to be okay. Just say it's going to be okay, please, please. And this was about the last hour of my trip. With occasional bouts of terror and yelling and my SO telling me to please be quiet. (laughs) To please quiet down. The neighbors can hear me. One of the last things I can remember saying is that I will never touch cannabis again. As I come down, I feel pretty good but weird and get in bed with my SO. I wake up the next day thinking, what a waste. So I take a tiny sliver of chunk of brownie and as it affects me, I listen to some music and groove a little bit to forget about the day before and have a pretty good time. I haven't touched pot since and never intend to again. And ex-hippie ex-child X writes, Yeah, um, pot being baked in brownies makes it about a thousand X stronger than being smoked. You should try watching that video on YouTube where a cop called 911 because he overdosed on weed. Grinning emoticon. Glad you're okay, though. I once had a bad trip on weed, and I haven't been the same since. I'd probably be smart for you not to touch any sort of mind-altering substance, being that you have anxiety issues. I have anxiety issues as well. I just don't seem to give a fuck whenever I lose my mind or not. Googly eyes emoticon. And free hugs writes, make some indica brownies and you will have a completely different experience. And finished ads, not true. Plenty of people get panic attacks on indica as well. It is a lot more of a comfortable high, but in a brownie, it can get you just as high as sativa. I know what you went through, OP. I've had plenty of these trips on cannabis and your SO sounds like an ass. He should have sat down and talked with you during your freak out. And fossil diver ads, The only time I've ever really tripped my balls off on pot is when I ate it. Fucked up doesn't even come close to describing it. It felt like a combo of the trippy mindfuck of mushrooms and the bodyfuck of quaaludes with overwhelming waves of paranoia with profuse sweating, followed by chills, then nausea, then fear, then more sweating, then more paranoia, etc., etc. Wave after wave for about four hours or so. But after that first time, I have not been able to experience that high from pot ever again. And it doesn't matter how much I tried to eat or smoke or eat and smoke. It's almost like once my pot cherry got popped, I could never get that virgin stoned feeling ever again.
and eye-wide open ads. Great story. I remember the first time edibles kicked my ass. Grinning emoticon, so amazing. Luckily, I just went to sleep and didn't have to deal with it so much because weed food makes you totally tired. When I woke up, I realized weed can be a hell of a lot more crazy than most people think, especially when you learn to concentrate it like that really well. Keef brownies for someone who doesn't smoke 20 bowls and a few hash strips off the skillet a day could be pretty devastating. They make them medical brownies out here with straight hash. I had a 20x brownie one day scared the shite out of me. Respect the Eds. Blinking emoticon, grinning emoticon. The weed has a funny way of playing on your paranoia. And Reg Fairfield writes, My anxiety, I feel, was brought out by a bad DXM trip, but don't feel it on weed anymore. And ex-hippie ex-child X writes, Same here. I probably had at least 50 bad... <laughs> I probably had at least 50 bad trips on DXM. It didn't matter because once it was over, I was fine. But that night I smoked some laced weed. It sent me to a bipolar episode that I had to be sent to the mental hospital for a month until I was quote unquote sane enough to leave. It took me two years to feel normal again. The mind is a horrible thing to lose. Let this be a lesson to all you psychonauts out there with mental health issues. Maybe this will put the word quote unquote caution in your dictionary if it isn't there already. And Lady Codone writes, I can totally identify with the OP. I've had bad high-dose shroom trips, sickening mescaline experiences that lasted 14 hours, and a recent nightmarish run-in with 6-APB. And I can honestly say, a bad pot experience is worse than any of the others. And ex-hippie ex-child X writes, Is it possible to have pot flashbacks? Just wondering. And Utard writes, The part about drinking a half gallon of milk and then dropping it on the floor made me laugh. Sorry. I know that can't have been fun at all. I remember when my dad found out I had been smoking hash, so he said I had to flush it down the toilet. So I did. But not before grabbing two chunks of it as big as I could manage to swallow and swallowing them with some milk and orange juice. Then I went to bed. I woke up the next morning because I was too stoned to sleep anymore. I looked at my clock and the numbers went blurry, then clear, then blurry again. I drove to school and threw up in five different places around the school before calling my dad and making him take me home. I slept for 16 hours. And Alex DeLarge adds, Hi guys, I just registered to share the worst trip of my life. I used to smoke pot back in college, brackets seven to eight years ago, but now I'm pretty much smoke-free. Yesterday I went to a friend's house and they had baked brownies. Two of them eat a very big piece each. I didn't. We were playing Mario Kart and they kept saying they were high as balls, laughed a lot, etc. They are pretty heavy users of pot. As I was leaving, I ate a very little piece, smaller than a cookie, and I left. Brackets, I was starving, and I thought a small piece, like compared to theirs, that wouldn't do any effect. I came home to my wife and we started watching TV. About an hour later, my hell began. My body started feeling all weird, all wobbly, then my heart rate increased from like 70 to 150 and kept pumping. I felt my chest very tight and kept thinking I was going to die. I told my wife I needed to get out ASAP so we get to the street and walk around the block a couple of times. Then optical effects started. I started seeing in what was like 3D cinema effect. Everything kept getting closer, jumping out at me. All the lights were very strange. Brackets, it was at night. I had had bad trips in the past from smoking, but nothing nowhere near it feeling like this. I started to freak out a lot, like the effects kept getting stronger. I didn't feel the interior of my mouth. I tried to move my tongue, and it felt like my mouth was like a huge hanger, infinite compared to the smallness of my tongue to touch any boundaries. I kept thinking I'd have a heart attack, and my heart pumped and pumped. I was on the verge of mental collapse. I couldn't help it any longer. Internet didn't help, so I went to the hospital. I needed relief. So I get to the hospital, they check all my vitals, and they were through the roof. They gave me sublingual benzos to chill me, and from there everything was much, much better. Brackets, thanks to the insurance for keeping the ER bill at nil. I came home feeling a lot better. We watched TV and I fell asleep. Today, I'm almost me again. I still feel the after effects of the high and are still a little nervous for what happened. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread, again in this Trip Reports subforum. And this is a thread started by Addicted91 in a thread they entitled, I Almost Died From Injecting Methamphetamine. And it goes like this. I never thought you could really overdose on meth. I am a strong believer of it now. I have been injecting meth since I was 18. I'm almost 22 years old now. I have always been addicted to the rush you get when you inject meth. It's just the most wonderful feeling you could ever imagine. I never thought it was possible to do too much. 
I was mistaken. I usually do a 30-unit shot when injecting the drug, but this time I did a 60-unit of crystal meth, brackets, a quarter gram shot, and it was way too much for me. I instantly lost my breath and had to gasp for air. It felt like someone just took a torch to my whole body. I couldn't see straight. I couldn't hear. I I couldn't talk or walk. My stomach hurt so bad like someone had just stabbed me multiple times. I just sit in the bathroom floor holding my stomach, confused, dizzy, scared. It was the most horrible thing I've ever experienced. Also, it didn't make me speed like it's supposed to. It made my eyes all droopy and I was pretty much out of it until the following day. And Poe-Faced Ho replies, Of course you can overdo speed. My friend had a lump of base orally that her mom's boyfriend gave her, and it was very pure, and she couldn't walk slash get up off the bed, got tinnitus, her face froze, and her mom thought she'd had a stroke. She said it was horrible. The guy had a high tolerance to it, so it seemed like a reasonable amount to him. And Eyes Size of the Moon writes, Seriously, be careful, man. I hope this is a lesson learned, because if you're going to be doing drugs, just don't overdo it and take a lot at once, regardless of how high a tolerance you may have. Same thing happened to me once when I took a combination of drugs. I remember all the blood rushing up to my head, making my vision go black, and my face was red, and I literally felt on fire. Not a good feeling, I can tell you that. And Blue Dolphin adds, Hopefully you're not like me and need 10,000 near-death experiences before you finally wake up. 22 is young, but you are not yet in the prime of your life. If you continue to use meth, you are going to miss out on the prime of your life. It's just a simple fact. Take my word for it. Thanks for sharing, BD. And Blight12 writes, A similar thing happens to me when I take too much. The high instantly turns into this weird, clear-headed state where you feel sober or far less stimulated than you were before, much less euphoria, and you start to notice and obsess over all the side effects. It's like it hit the kill switch because you took too much. Then all the physical side effects get worse, and the vaso-C hits you, and you hate your life for the next seven hours. OP, I don't suppose you could describe warning signs of a dose getting too high or a way to identify you are near too much. I struggle to judge how high I am. The dose range is so huge, and often the experience doesn't match what you know you dosed. I could honestly say that if I did a binge and let someone else dose me and not know dosages, I would have no clue how high I was or what dose I was on. And Z negative ads. Yeah, stimulant overdoses are really terrifying. I've only shot meth a few times and thankfully never pushed the limit too far. Brackets, though the size of my shots kept doubling in size immediately. But I have overdosed from shooting cocaine, which sounds similar. I I was basically stuck on the floor for an hour, unable to move or hear. I also experienced really insane visual disturbances and spasms in my extremities. Take care of yourself, dude. I'm like you. Been an IV drug user since 19. Brackets, I'm 24 now. And it gets really fucking ugly. Last year, I nearly died from MRSA due to the compulsive nature of IV stimulants, brackets, and the unhygienic practices that seem to follow the use. Sure, the rush is amazing, but not worth dying for. And MRSA, of course, is a highly antibiotic-resistant strain of bacteria. And Lucky Junkie adds, It is proven you can't overdose on crystal meth. You can do too much for your body to handle and it simply makes you go to sleep so your body can fight it off, but not overdose. The reaction you had is not an overdose, it's just simply what it is. A reaction. Good and clean crystal will give you that reaction every time, no matter what the amount you inject. I had an incident where I got a bad batch and it caused me to completely loose my sight for about five minutes, but it's simply what it is, a reaction. When I was an everyday user of methamphetamine, I would actually do a couple of grams at a time so that it would throw me into a seizure. I had two different people, two different times call 911 when I did it, and it still isn't an overdose. It's just your body's reaction. When I was in my worser days, a friend and I even tried to purposely overdose, and it just isn't possible. Your body will, quote-unquote, shut down, but all you do is go to sleep. It is medically proven you can't actually overdose. Now, there are cases that if you go to the hospital because of a reaction your body does, the paperwork will say, quote unquote, overdose because they simply don't have anything else to call it. And Zorkoth writes, It's entirely untrue that it's, quote unquote, been proven you can't overdose on meth. You certainly can. Why would you purposely put yourself into a seizure by doing grams of meth at a time? What was your reason for doing so? And breathe adds, It's possible to OD on meth, just not as likely to die the way a heroin OD would do it, because meth does not cause CNS, 
central nervous system. Depression. Your heart and lungs won't slow down too much the way an H overdose happens, but you could have a heart attack, collapse a lung, have an aneurysm, a stroke, or many other gnarly outcomes. I used to slam H and meth together, very recklessly, and on numerous occasions I would slam the shot and immediately pass out, hit my head on things, wake up confused, forget I just did a shot and do another and pass out again. I had to be physically prevented from doing another shot by a friend who was watching me do this stupid shit in a motel room. Dizziness, fever-like feeling, heart racing, even start nodding out, but in a totally different way than heroin, like an uncontrollable urge to sleep. The way I would describe the sleepy feeling was feeling like you're going to straight up faint from being severely overwhelmed very suddenly. Fainting. Not a cool feeling. Where I'm from, we call that quote-unquote overamping. I used to see it happen often, actually, most often to strictly meth users. The ones like me who mixed H into their shots always had that edge taken off it by the H. When you do that shit once, IV, it travels via your veins to your heart and immediately to your lungs, where normally carbon dioxide is traded out for oxygen. In this case of a big meth shot, it's like carbon monoxide and meth is somehow exchanged, as if the CO2 somehow conjugates the meth molecules in your blood and is able to turn them to vapor and push them out along with the CO2, resulting in that feeling you're talking about. We call that, quote-unquote, the cough, because it feels like your lungs suddenly fill up with a kind of icy vapor, like you just inhaled some dense fumes and you need to cough it out. It's usually interpreted as a sign that you did enough, LOL, but doing that much... usually means you're going to have some effects that are unheard of in small shots or any smoked amounts. Head swimming, almost like MDMA, rolling feeling where you're sluggish and sensitive and liquidy. IMO, the cough means you did too much. Don't do that again. I would highly suggest you never do that again. Ever. I've had seemingly healthy friends have brain issues, heart issues. One guy's fucking right lung collapse after a major shot right in front of me. He starts fishing out, kind of, and gasping for air. Ugly sight. He survived, but barely. Very, very bad stuff, man. Stop it if you can. If you want to read a pretty crazy trip report of what happened to me when I overamped after slamming ancient meth all day after having been awake for two days, check this insane shit out. Perhaps living vicariously and not doing more meth might entertain your mind a bit? If you are interested in getting sober or at least attempting to repair yourself, check out this thread I started a couple of days ago where I'm creating the guide based on my experience so far in trying to repair from years of IV drug use. Good luck, man. Please be careful. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread in Trip Reports by user Alpha Odur, entitled 2M2B, Experienced a Cautionary Tale. And it goes like this. Sorry this is brief and overly concise in advance. Just don't have the time to explain unnecessary details. Age 32, sex male, no other recreational drug use during this time. Brackets other than maintenance meds listed below. I have a very unique experience with 2M2B I'd like to share. I used it for approximately 8 to 10 months, 3 to 7 milliliters, 1 to 3 times a day, brackets 3 to 21 milliliters a day, via plugging. Brackets, I read how plugging is painful, but it's not really. There are certain tactics to get around the rectal burn, lol. I can discuss this if anyone is interested. Before I get into it, I do take buprenorphine, 4 milligrams daily, although sometimes I can go up to 6 to 8 milligrams a day. Gabapentin, 2,400 milligrams a day. Everything was fine. Steady job. Brackets during this time was only using it once a day after work. 10 milliliters slash day at, at max during this time. About six months out of this time. However, I got injured at work and hadn't been working for a few months. Then something happened. For a few days, I started feeling extremely shitty in general. I tied this to the 2M2B use and I just stopped. I wasn't at a particularly high dose and Anyway, brackets four to six milliliters once daily at this time. I started to feel all right for a bit, but after cessation, T plus 30 hours started peeing a lot. Very, very thirsty all the time and had numbness in my extremities, lips, and genitals. Started getting pain in my left side. Was very concerned it was renal slash kidney problems, so I agreed to go to the ER, having my grandmother drive me. T plus 35 hours. I was putting off the hospital. <laughs> I was putting off the hospital visit, but finally agreed to go. I insufflated a dose, brackets two milligrams of my buprenorphine, in case they wouldn't give it to me at the hospital just prior to getting ready to leave. Brackets. I usually take this via insufflation or rectally for way better bio. Availability, and I was sure the hospital brackets, if admitted, would make me take it sublingually. Immediately after dosing my buprenorphine, I went into the car and then found myself coming to approximately three to five minutes later. I had had a severe seizure. I was drooling, severe convulsions, brackets ended up in the back seat from the front seat of the car, complete loss of consciousness, and severely disorientated. 
Brackets, however, this couldn't have been from Gaberic withdrawal from the lack of 2M2B. Note, I don't think this can be attributed to the buprenorphine, as it takes anywhere from one to two hours for it to fully actualize effects on me depending on ROA. I regained consciousness with my grandmother seemingly yelling at me, but she wasn't. The sound was somehow amplified by the seizure experience. I was unsteady for a bit, not thinking entirely clearly immediately afterwards. However, I was able to walk to the ambulance that soon thereafter arrived. T plus 40 hours. I get to the diagnosis at the hospital. I was nearly hyperglycemic, brackets, peeing, thirst, numbness, all the symptoms of this, with a blood glucose level of tilde 170 at that time, but the doctor deduced my symptoms, most likely much higher previously, brackets, no previous problems with this. I am 6 foot 160 to 170 pounds, not heavy at all. A CT scan was done on my abdomen and no problems were seen with my kidneys or organs. An EEG was also done, brackets, I've had seizures before, both during GABAergic withdrawal and not during any sort of withdrawal or under the influence. But as usual, it came back fine. The doctor stated hyperglycemia does not cause seizures. The doctor, seemingly trying to get me the hell out of there, told me I had diabetes and doubled my gabapentin dosage from 2,400 milligrams a day to 4,800 milligrams a day to prevent seizures. Brackets, I could not tell him about my 2M2B usage, unfortunately, because my subutex doctor works at the hospital. He would have surely found out with me being admitted to the hospital, and my grandmother was right there. I fucked up too many times. It would have completely isolated my family. I am literally on my last straw. T plus one week. So thinking I have diabetes, avoiding sugar, I go to my follow-up. Thankfully, our local community clinic has access to the notes made by our local hospital slash ER doctors and nurses. After testing, I was confirmed I did not have diabetes, and given my regular blood sugar readings prior to the appointment, it was determined that I'm actually slightly hypoglycemic. Brackets, which actually runs in the family. And hypoglycemia can cause seizures. My thyroid was tested, came back fine. But my liver enzymes were elevated. This is nothing new, since about eight years prior to detox, I said my enzymes were elevated, and then I should get it checked out. Brackets, when in an active addiction, I was using up to 45 somas and or fioracets which contain the barbiturate butalbital, acetaminophen, and caffeine for about three years. So it could or couldn't be related to 2M2B usage? Brackets, I didn't reintroduce it at very low dosages just prior to my doctor visit to guard against further seizures for a slower taper. I've had no ill effects since. Just thought I'd warn everyone, the hyperglycemic episode and seizures were pretty severe reactions, potentially related to the 2M2B usage, but I cannot say that it is definitively. But even someone like me, who supplanted a few beers with a small dosage of 2M2B had, brackets potentially, had severe reactions. So, be warned. Note, just got back from my doctors and my CTK levels, the enzymes in my liver were elevated initially, are back down to normal. She is assuming it may have been from the trauma of the seizure? And falsified hypothesis writes, What kind of drug is 2M2B? And Zorkoth adds, I think it's an alcohol-esque GABAergic, right? That sounds terrifying. Does it seem like withdrawals from 2M2B? Or do you think it was more that you experienced a negative side effect from the drug itself? Glad you're okay. Heart emoticon. And Alpha Odur replies, It's a GABAergic, most similar to ethanol, brackets, molecularly, that is. If you had to draw a comparison, brackets, I personally use slash used it, B slash C, I hated ethanol and would always get addicted whenever trying alternative GABAergics, like benzodiazepines. Plus, job and drug testing comes into play with benzos, too. So although it's somewhat similar, it's not that much similar. B slash C, I kept using it. Ha ha ha. And I hate booze and ethyl alcohol. But 2M2B is 2-methyl-2-butanol, brackets, also known as tert amyl alcohol. Although it feels very different from ethanol slash ethyl alcohol, brackets, it is a solvent, which is why I plug it rather than drink it, as it's delivered right carrot 99% proof. Heh. It smells like rubbing alcohol with a touch of camphor to it, which actually really affects the taste. It's not metabolized by the alcohol dehydrogenase, brackets ADH, enzyme in the liver, brackets this creates a very toxic metabolite called acetaldehyde. So 2M2B avoids some of these issues, brackets I'm sure it's still not particularly healthy for one's liver if abused, lol. Duration time is like 5 to 15 hours, brackets single dose. Dosage is literally like 3 to 10 milliliters, brackets anything over that gets you sloppy wasted for half a day. Unless one has a tolerance to GABAergics, which is like one fourth, brackets 10 
signal that there's a shot glass or less. It's a little more sedating than ethanol, but nothing coffee can't fix. And it's convenient, B slash C, you don't have to keep redosing, brackets, or keep drinking. Like with typical ethanol-based drinks. If you want your experience to last this long, brackets, otherwise, you're in bed in two hours max if you stop drinking. Also... As mentioned below, it's much easier on one's liver. It does not produce acetaldehyde as a metabolite, so it doesn't go through the traditional alcohol dihydrogenase metabolism route. It uses CYP enzymes, which are brackets supposedly much more hardy. It used to be part of a crude early anesthetic, actually. It's on Wikipedia or Google somewhere. And we'll go from that thread to a new trip report at the blue light. Oh, it's that blue light.org. Oh, my God. All this, it used to be bluelight.ru, now it's bluelight.org. <sighs> that is frustrating. Okay, anyway, so we'll go from there to a new thread in the bluelight.org forums. In a thread started by Jay Brandon, entitled, Brackets DOC slash 1.5 milligrams. Beginner, don't take this shit and then go to work. Brackets, warning, TLDR. And it goes like this. Now that this substance is making the rounds in a big way, I thought I would share an interesting experience I had with it. In fact, my first experience with DOC. I had read trip reports and I thought I had an idea of what I was getting into. I expected a psychedelic experience with a strong amphetamine push. I was hoping for something like LSD and MDMA, not LSD and speed. What I ultimately got was a little bit of both worlds. I work nights in a hospital doing something which is part of patient care and part technical work. I had read anecdotal reports which implied that the lower doses of DOC had more amphetamine character than psychedelic. I had also taken 0.5 milligrams on a previous date as a test and noticed nothing but a little stimulation and an alert or two that could have been placebo. I figured I would try a little bit more DOC and see if it could make the night go by a little more enjoyably, and this stimulation would be an added benefit, keeping me awake. 5 p.m. I took... 0.5 milligrams and went to take a shit in a shower before work. 6 p.m. I took another 0.5 milligrams intended to stop there. After about a half an hour, I had an alert and noticed that the red blinking LED on my phone was catching my attention more than usual. I chalked this up to placebo. 7 p.m. Here is where I made my fatal mistake. As I was heading out the door to the hospital, I looked at my liquid solution of DOC and my pipettes. For no damn reason, I measured out another 0.5 milligrams, squirted it into my mouth, washed it down with a Diet Coke, and headed off on my way. Now, 99% of the time, I work alone. I sit in a little office where I'm completely private and no one checks up on me. After I get my patients set up, I usually spend the next eight hours jerking off, watching Netflix, staring at the wall, and spinning in my chair or sleeping on the floor. Once in a blue moon, I have to go take care of something. However, this time, some additional patients had been scheduled at the last second, and I had a co-worker, Ralph. Ralph is 45 years old, and while nice enough, a total fucking weirdo. This was the first bad omen of the night to come. 8.30 p.m. I still wasn't feeling any effects of the drug at this point. Ralph and I wandered down to the ER to pick up our patients. I would say this was the last part of the night where I can recollect anything with true clarity. As we made the long walk from the ER to the patient's room, I noticed the lights in the hallways began to look a little strange. Then I noticed that I was beginning to feel a bit of a tingle in my legs and familiar lightness in my step. Yes, here we go. Within the span of 15 minutes, I went from feeling maybe 10% off baseline to feeling like I had just eaten about five Adderalls, two or three tabs of LSD, and 300 milligrams of MDMA. I felt like I was full-blown candy flipping. I remember very clearly thinking at this point, quote-unquote, I would not mind at all if someone sold me this on blotter and told me it was LSD. I began sweating profusely, and I felt like every orifice of my body, brackets every single one, was, le was leaking some kind of fluid. I felt amazing but about 500% more fucked up than I had anticipated. I somehow managed to get my patients into their bedrooms, and then I sprinted to the bathroom to look in the mirror. I was a sweaty mess. I was clearly grinding my teeth, and my pupils were the size of dinner plates. I felt like every touch was orgasmic. I rubbed the back of my neck while staring at the mirror, and it felt, <laughs> and it felt about on par with a blowjob. I suddenly realized I was at work, and I felt like I had been in the bathroom for over an hour. I looked at my watch in a panic. I had been there for less than two minutes. <laughs> 
I tried to center myself. The important thing was that I just get my patients taken care of. I wandered into their rooms and began to explain the paperwork they had to fill out. Here, an interesting thing occurred. It was as if I had multiple personality disorder. Only the conscious part of my mind was not the dominant personality. I could hear myself very calmly and clearly explaining the forms that needed to be filled out to those patients, but that's not what I was thinking about. Instead, my thoughts went something like, oh, holy fuck, look at those neon wires. Whoa, this TV commercial looks amazing. I wonder what jacking off right now would feel like. Oh, my God. Only at about 3,000 miles an hour. Everything felt, looked, and smelled electric. One of my patients got up to go to the bathroom, leaving me alone in their room. I immediately ran to the gigantic panoramic window and began to roll my body back and forth across the cold glass. I was pressing my face against the glass with my arms above my head. Then I lifted my shirt, continued rolling across the glass orgasmic for what seemed like three hours of this. I became aware that my patient was re-entering the room. Try to act normal. I looked at my watch. They'd been gone less than five minutes. 9.30 p.m. I got my patient seated in a chair and began setting up the EEG. I had laid out the wires for this across the bed he was going to sleep in. The soft comforter felt amazing when my hands grazed across it. It took every ounce of willpower to not leap onto the bed, take off all my clothes and roll around. For some reason, thinking about doing this gave me an erection. This was the first of many to come. The wires that I use are color-coded in neon. Each wire seemed to be fluorescent and filled with electricity. Every time I picked one up, I had to twirl it in the air like a jump rope I did not have a choice. While I was doing this, I noticed that the recliner in the room appeared to be subtly rocking back and forth by itself. For some reason, this disturbed me greatly, so I made the effort to not look at it for the rest of the night. Somehow, I managed to get both of my patients wired up. To this day, I have no clue how I got through this. Every five minutes, my brain would reset and I'd forget what I was doing or saying. Like an original Nintendo, it would have the flash purple screen and restart your game. The stress levels I reached were unbelievable. This was not a happy work enhancer. 11 p.m. Having completed my patient setup, I returned to my office. Ralph was already done with his patients and was sitting there with his laptop out. He asked me if I felt okay, and I responded that my allergies were acting up, and I had eaten three Benadryl. He seemed to buy the excuse, and then launched into a long, rambling story, brackets much like this post, about his kid's soccer league. I caught maybe 1% of this, and I couldn't stop staring at the computer screen. The readouts of my patients' vitals and brain waves looked like little sine waves normally. This night, there were electric little jump ropes blurring about the screen. I decided it was time for a psychedelic shit. I headed to the bathroom, plopped my ass down, and shot what felt like a super rope... and shot what felt like a super rope candy out of my ass into the bowl. Feeling much better, I went to wipe. There was nothing on the toilet paper. This thought affected my mind as if I had experienced some deep plus 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 breakthrough. I stared at that square for what seemed like an eternity. How can this be? I looked into the bowl. There was nothing there. Not even a small rabbit-sized turd. My mind was officially blown. I had definitely felt something solid come out. It was also extremely hot in the bathroom, and I felt that the sweatier and hotter that I got, the more intense my trip was getting. I frantically wiped and went to wash my hands. I wasn't aware that I was smiling, but my face in the mirror above the sink resembled the Cheshire cat. It only seemed to me that my smile kept getting wider and wider and wider without end. I got the fuck out of there and went back to my office. I had probably been sitting in the office for all of five minutes when suddenly I became aware of a horrifying sound. Ralph was blasting the kids' bop version of quote-unquote evacuate the dance floor at what seemed to be a deafening volume. He began explaining to me that quote-unquote the beats are good. Now if this had happened on some 4 ACO DMT I probably would have started dancing around the office and laughing. Instead I felt like someone had shoved a pine cone up my asshole. I could not imagine worse torture than continuing to listen to this shit. I had to get the fuck out of there and A SAP. I said I was going to McDonald's to get some food and I'd be back soon. As soon as I walked outside, I felt like I was in a neon candy land. The visuals were not as powerful or pervasive as Silicon and its analogs, but more like a powerful T. Brigesi trip I once had. Color enhancement everywhere. I suddenly realized I was in no shape to drive and couldn't very well walk to McDonald's. So I went and sat in my car in the parking lot and turned on the radio. Surprisingly, all the music I put on sounded terrible to me. Everything was irritating. I preferred to sit in the car silently, which is approximately 800 degrees, and just touch myself all over my sweaty body. I was experiencing an insane body load. I felt like every sensation was orgasmic with this electric underpinning to it. 
Yet at the same time, I felt like my back had been run over by a farming combine and my calves were cramped as though I had run a marathon. Every couple of seconds, I would feel as if my truck was on and moving forward. I would freak out. Then I would realize I hadn't turned the engine on. I'd feel fine, then repeat the experience five seconds later. I wouldn't have attempted driving, but I didn't feel comfortable being in the front seat. So I jumped in the back seat of my truck and began furiously pounding off. I was completely unaware of my setting during this. Anyone could have walked by. There could have been a security camera on me. It didn't matter. I was horny in a way I cannot articulate. I was abusing myself with a perverse level of force, but it felt amazing. The orgasm was a bit of a letdown, and immediately after it occurred, I panicked. I had remembered I was at work again. I had doubtlessly been jerking off for hours. I checked my watch. I had been gone half an hour. 12.30 a.m. I returned to the office and I suddenly felt a million times more clear-headed. No longer was I having the relentlessly racing LSD-like, nor did I feel like I wanted to, to lay in a sweaty cuddle puddle for the rest of eternity. However, I still was experiencing incredible horniness and body load. I checked in on everything and I said I had to go to the bathroom. I wandered the hospital floor until I found an empty conference room. Here I laid on the floor and began stretching out, which seemed to provide some relief for my back and my legs. However, any motion of my legs caused tremendous sensation in my genitals and I wound up jerking off in the woman's bathroom at least three times. I spent the next two hours in a horny frenzy. I would look up pornography on my cell phone and then go jerk off in a random bathroom. Ralph was too busy playing some kind of puzzle game on his computer to really pay attention to me, thank God. 3 a.m. Suddenly, with the same force as the drug had steamrolled over me, it left my body. I was exhausted. My body ached as if I had been run over by a truck. My head was somewhat clear, but I felt like I hadn't slept in weeks. I spent the rest of the night in and out of sleep laying on the floor. I was too tired to care if Ralph ratted me out. In the morning after I clocked out, I had to go to sleep in my truck for a few hours before I could even attempt to drive home. I was so tired, I was scared I would fall asleep at the wheel. All in all, it was an interesting experience but very shallow and somewhat negative. I learned nothing and experienced no form of insight. I felt very hungover the next day, and unlike mushrooms, LSD, cacti, or even the 2C-X compounds, I found my thought process to be very negative for the next several days. I had no positive afterglow, and the experience was hedonistic and selfish throughout. There was nothing life-affirming to it, and I never felt any beautiful feeling of contentedness and connectedness that other psychs bring me. At the same time, my thoughts were too frenetic and frenzied to do any kind of analysis like, like 2C-E often brings. Much of this can be laid at the feet of my terrible choice of setting. I will explore the drug again at different doses under different circumstances. And his name is Frank replies, That was one of the funniest reports I've read in a while. I wish I could get paid to jerk off and watch Netflix. Here I've been unknowingly doing your job for free all this time. And Igor writes, I had an accidental approximately 10.5 milligram DOC trip that was not overwhelming just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. I didn't feel like I was back at baseline until the third day. It wouldn't have been so bad if it didn't last around 40 hours. Always do your own dilution. Awesome report, by the way. And Jay Brandon replies, thanks for the input. Part of why I wanted to write this report is because there are some people who talk about dosing 6 to 12 milligrams for a quote-unquote normal dose. For me, at least, that would have warranted hospitalization. I can't imagine what you were feeling. The physical energy and tension that you just can't seem to release would drive me insane. For me, this was the most in-the-body drug I've ever taken. The mental and emotional aspect was there, brackets, if all over the place, but the physical element was so powerful it dominated everything else. Edit. I forgot to mention in the original trip report, there is no possible way I could confuse this for LSD after having taken it. If someone sold me blotter and it was DOC, I would know with 100% certainty. The mental similarities to Lucy are there, but if you tried both, you can definitely tell the difference. It's like night and day. And we'll go from there to a new thread in the Trip Report subforum started by LSD Ketamine in a thread they entitled Eight Hits of Acid, Nitrous, and Ketamine. And it goes like this. I woke up and took a milligram of clonopin and looked at houses with my mom for a few hours. I dropped eight hits of acid and grabbed 50 whippets and headed back to my room, which is where I was for most of this experience. At first, I had a lot of anxiety as the acid kicked in, as my room started to swirl and become complexly immersed in geometric fractals. It is difficult to piece together the exact timeline of my halacunations, but my room began to do impossible things. I experienced quote-unquote acid dogs or the delivery of every kind of acid dog into my room at one time. I saw monsters coming out of my closet and saw images of my own death. I hallucinated that there were movers coming out of my closet to take my desk back to the time it came from. <laughs> 
Brackets, the desk is from the 1960s. I kept thinking that there was a cleaning service that was trying to replace all of my things. A lot of times my room would become flooded with fake money, and I kept hallucinating that someone was replacing the whipped cream dispenser I was using for the whippets. At some point, I ran out of whippets and somehow made it to the store to get 50 more. Every whippet I would take, a new battle emerged with my room. I interacted with lots of dog-like beings and some that looked like a fox. Eventually, I snorted a bit of ketamine, which is hard to describe how it affected my experience. It became more solitary for a time and introspective. I was having profound emotional connections to the music I was listening to, and it felt as though I could see the music. The closed-eye visuals at this point of the experience were the most impossible and, and complex CEVs, which stands for closed-eye visuals, I've ever experienced. Eventually, I went for a long walk with my girlfriend through the campus that I just graduated from. This was very reflective and provided a lot of closure to my day. We made it back to my house and took some dabs, and I took 2.5 milligrams of Etzelam and started writing this. Today, I saw impossible things and experienced far beyond anything I'd ever experienced with LSD. These words don't give justice to the experience let me know if anyone has any questions i'd love to try to answer and caden knight replies haha when you say quote-unquote acid dogs do you mean like the imagery of google's deep dream just a heads up write-ups on experiences like this go in the trip report section welcome to the site and LSD Ketamine replies, It's hard to describe exactly what the acid dogs were since it was the first time I experienced them. They were smiler in behavior to two normal dogs, but took the form of an energy being. Some of the dogs were nice and others were mean. And Lucid S. Dreamer replies, Eight hits of acid. Lucky you didn't end up in hospital or jail. And LSD Ketamine replies, Lucid S. Dreamer, how do you mean? I've taken LSD 20 plus times before this experience and have experience with nitrous and ketamine. I was in the safety of my own room for most of the experience alone and don't see how I could have wood up in either the hospital or jail. And wiser than earlier replies, Lucid Dreamer is indicating this is large doses that typically get some peeps into trouble. In your case, clearly experienced and somewhat prepared, this doses led to an experience, not a nightmare. I have also consumed many, many doses of LSD, also within careful surroundings. It is interesting, although I have only combined N2O with many other substances, not LSD. And Lucid Dreamer writes, Keep taking 20 hits of acid at once. Till you get some decent tabs or some NBOME, then let us know how it goes. And Zorkoth replies, he's said he's taken acid 20 times, not that he's taken 20 hits. Eight hits of acid, if you know what you have, isn't dangerous except possibly behaviorally. Obviously, you need to be experienced and know what you're about. I plan to take a very high dose of LSD sometime in the future. Totally agreed that one needs to be sure that they have actual LSD. Try the batch before you go that high and test it to make sure it isn't a lysergamide, brackets, which is not difficult. And LSD Ketamine replies, my vials are at least 150 50 micrograms per drop. I don't buy tabs, brackets inspired by this experience. It is LSD dissolved in distilled water and has no taste and based on effects on myself and many friends, brackets, most of my friends just took two. There is no need to try to dick size. I was just sharing one of the most powerful experiences of my life. And LD50 finishes the thread by adding. I don't get it why people take slash plan to take these heroic brackets or stupid doses of acid. Reminds me of people dick-sizing about how much beer they drank this weekend. Totally wrong mindset if you use acid. Just as wrong to take acid to be quote-unquote tripping balls. Larger doses doesn't mean the experience will be better. More intense, yeah, sure, but also more potential for troubles, especially when using acid alone. A trip sitter or at least having someone to talk to or ask for help when shit gets rough, even on the phone, is better than nothing. Brackets, just remember to to have speed dial and are ready because typing numbers and acid don't go well together. Sorry, but I just cringe like hell when I read stuff where acid is used the wrong way. It's synthetic, yes, but it's a spiritual drug. When used wrong, sooner or later you will pay for it with either psychosis, derealization, or a stay in the psych ward or jail. Don't be dumb. And we'll finish this episode by reading from a few shorter trip reports. I'm sure everyone's thrilled about that. Again, from the Triple Fort subforums of bluelight.org. And first we'll read from a thread started by Puppy Syrup entitled, You 
47700 brackets 15 milligrams heavy opiate user and the ride of a lifetime and it goes like this and for the uninitiated u-47700 is an opioid analgesic drug developed by a team at upjohn in the 1970s which has around 7.5 times the potency of morphine in animal models it has never been studied on humans but would be expected to produce similar effects to those of other potent opioid agonists and it goes like this so this all started in November 2016 when a friend of mine ordered an ounce of the U-4. Well, I was the only person with a triple beam and an extremely high addiction to opiates, so I was the guinea pig. I was told, quote-unquote, yeah, man, it's supposed to be super awesome, but it's like two to four milligram doses. My reply, quote-unquote, have you tried it yet? His reply was, quote-unquote, no, I wanted you to try it first. So I gladly weighed out 15 milligrams and chased the dragon. I face-planted on concrete and woke up high as fuck. This substance was the weirdest high I've had from an opioid drug. I gratefully got a gram and went to town. Wednesday, 4.30 p.m., I weighed about 8 milligrams and smoked it, producing one of the strongest rushes I've had in my life. It felt like IVing delauded just absolute bliss. 5.15. Effects have worn off, so of course, time to redose. Weighed out another 10 milligrams and boom again, same rush and intense high absolute bliss. 6 o'clock. No effects felt, but not dope sick whatsoever. 8 p.m. Weighed out another 10 milligrams and mixed with a gram of extremely potent tar. Smoked it and stopped breathing and woke up in an ice bath and people giving me CPR. This substance is very addictive. You constantly want to redose after the initial rush. This substance, in my experience, lasted between 45 minutes to one and a half hours. Please be careful with it and enjoy it, but be prepared for a harsh and extremely sharp come down. And the next thread we'll read is by Twisted Reality in a thread entitled MDA plus Tramadol New Experience Seizure Brackets Do Not Mix These. And it goes like this. I went to a party at a club this weekend where a few of my friends were DJing. I had two drinks beforehand and decided to eat 100 milligrams of MDA. I had a nice buzz going all night, but by the time of the party was over around 3 a.m., I was ready for it to end. My friend had some tramadol, so I took 200 milligrams. I then realized that tramadol does have antidepressant qualities, and it is a bad idea to mix the two, but it was too late at that point. I was fine, although I didn't get any sleep that night. The next day, I took another 150 milligrams, figuring the MDA was out of my system. I thought I fell asleep for a few minutes and woke up and threw up. When I came out of my bathroom, my friend M looked at me and said, quote unquote, you probably don't know this, but you had a seizure. I had to give you CPR. I was in complete disbelief. Apparently, I started to spasm and my eyes rolled back in my head and my head was stuck in one position cocked to the side. I wasn't breathing and began to turn blue. M could not find a pulse. He said as he was giving me CPR, he was afraid his efforts were futile because it seemed I was already dead. He was about to call 911 when I suddenly gasped for air. I got lucky that I had a friend who, A, knew what to do in the situation, B, remained calm, and C, wasn't afraid to call 911 if it came down to it. I felt really disoriented the rest of the day and kept thinking about my close call. Right after it happened, I decided to get on Blue Light and type up a trip report just as a warning to never mix these two drugs. Be safe! And whizzle ads. I've mixed Coke with Tramadol. Nice buzz, but pretty damn stupid. And stir fry ads. Tramadol plus stimulants seems to be a particularly dangerous combo. Anecdotally, at least. I wonder if there's any studies that back this up. And in reply to Whizzle, that's the combo that killed old dirty bastard of the Wu-Tang Clan. And moral decay ads. I also had a bad reaction with MDMA and Tramadol. I did not have a seizure, but I went into serotonin shock. And indelible face ads. Being that friend of yours, I can safely say that if you take tramadol regularly as an antidepressant, brackets IE are addicted to tramadol, you should pretty much wave goodbye to recreational stimulants beyond caffeine. I tried skipping my dose to roll that day, and while the beginning of the trip was pleasant, once the WDs kicked in, I was having a terrible time, so much that I risked taking a small amount of tramadol just to feel slightly better, taking a Xanax as well to prevent seizures. I didn't feel the effects of the MDXX much after that, but I was pretty high on the Xanax slash tramadol combination, so it didn't matter too much to me. I would have rather have had a balls-out crazy roll than just another pleasant knock. But oh well, I suppose. And Jam Shide finishes the thread by adding Tramadol withdrawal is disproportionate to its recreational strength, even in people who enjoy it, like you and me. It felt to me as though I was having simultaneous withdrawal from heroin and speed at the same time. And we'll finish this episode by reading this thread started by Dankter Sauce entitled DMT hydrocodone 
and fentanyl, inexperienced, mind-blowing narcotic bliss. And it goes like this. I had recently attained a nice collection of drugs and was pretty excited for this opportunity to indulge. I am very experienced with opiates. However, this day was only my fourth time smoking DMT. I had returned to the town I grew up in to take care of some appointments and was chilling with a good friend and his brother. I call them P and G. I explained what DMT was to them and asked if they'd like to try a couple of puffs. They were down, which made me excited. I couldn't wait to see the look on their faces when they blasted off. After all, I had taken my first trip with P and G had sold me some awesome green gel tabs many years ago, so I was very excited to hit them back. On the drive to P&G's house, I chomped up 7-10-325-hydro-slash-APAPs. Brackets, I didn't drive while high. The pills didn't kick in until after I arrived. Also, prior to blasting off into DMT land, I also washed my mouth out with rubbing alcohol. Brackets, ew. And stuck a one-third of a 50UG fentanyl myelin patch in between my cheek and gums. In case you're wondering, I read on BL that rubbing alcohol break down the silicone in the crappy myelin patches, and IMO, it worked. Either that or I was too high to tell. Tell. Tongue sticking out emoticon. So while the fentanyl patch was tightly secured in my cheek, I packed a pipe with some cannabis and layered pieces of DMT in between more layers of cannabis. I then held the flame of the lighter up to the glass pipe, making sure not to let the flame touch the goodies. As the DMT slowly melted into the weed, I inhaled. I recognized that DMT tasted across somewhere between burning plastic and incense. As I held in the hit, I suddenly became concerned, feeling that, quote unquote, maybe I shouldn't have done that feeling as the DMT rush crept up the back of my neck. Slightly ringing noise became louder and developed into a louder humming coinciding with the auditory hallucinations the visuals slowly began to develop g then hit the pipe and passed to p p the brave fool that he is took two large hits back to back at this point watching p start to peak was more entertaining than the weak hit i had inhaled minutes ago p has never smoked dmt he then proceeded to jump out of his chair screaming quote unquote my clothes are too tight why are my clothes so tight this gave me and g some good laughs very similar to the giggles felt while peaking on acid me and g didn't get as strong as hits as p but P trying to explain his vision to us was hilarious. He tried to explain how he was controlling his visuals and that he saw a girl on the wall. While doing this, he traveled from one corner of the room to the other, exclaiming at the beauty of the walls and the amber light that filled the room like he was, quote unquote, in a fishbowl filled with golden water. Of course, that's my guess of the general idea he was trying to convey, but he had great difficulty forming sentences without forgetting what he was saying halfway through the sentence. Because good vibes were in the air and P seemed to survive his two hits in a row without freaking out, I decided I wanted to break through. I packed roughly 40 milligrams into the pipe. We passed the pipe around several more times, packing small pieces for each person's hit. I think a tolerance had begun to build because the higher dose was nice, but still not a breakthrough. This didn't bother me at all as I began to feel the combination of hydrocordone and fentanyl. It was beautiful, especially combined with DMT. The painkillers did wonders to ease me into DMT space without becoming too startled. As I took the rip, the opiates eased my nerves enough that this was fun in games, leaving me with no concerns about being ripped from this dimension. Two very strong tasting hits were inhaled back to back, holding them in as long as possible. I then knew I better sit down, grinning emoticon. As I was sucker punched by DMT, I suddenly became overwhelmed by the visuals. I didn't know if my eyes were open or closed. The background of my field of vision was black, and these morphing geometric fractals flew towards my face. I was truly amazed by the detail and beauty of these visuals. The shape patterns were bright and vibrant, and no matter how deep I looked into the patterns of shifting neon shapes, the patterns kept revealing more and more. It was like the colors and shapes were dancing for me, becoming more intricate and beautiful. The deep I looked into them. There was also a strong feeling that these colors and shapes were made specifically for me, as the cosmos wanted to put on a light show for me. I don't remember how long this lasted for, but as I came down, I realized that I could see the same surroundings I saw prior to blasting off. But still, all the colors were extremely vibrant and shifted unusually in straight lines. Brackets, not wavy, but vibrating in a way. PNG's faces looked like they were in an oil painting, and I could tell by the look on P's face that he was just as high as me, if not much higher. I still didn't break through as fucked up as I was. I remained in my body, brackets, or at least I think I did, as I slowly returned to reality. I realized the opiates were kicking my ass, and I felt a euphoric, psychedelic nod that felt as warm and lovely as if I had gone back into my mother's womb. The glow left by the DMT combined with the bliss of the Fent-slash-Hydro combo made me feel, well, indescribably perfect. But the best I can describe it would be a soft, warm, gentle, beautiful, smooth, and soothing trip. This was a lovely combo but obviously something I'd probably never do again, simply because it was probably a bit overboard. The opiates really took the edge off, which was lovely, and now I feel a bit braver, and next time we'll probably try three DMT hits in a row. Sorry if this report is really long, but this was such a beautiful experience, I couldn't resist preaching the DMT gospel. I have a serene smile on my face just recalling this afternoon's activities. 
smiling emoticon. I'd be happy to answer any questions, or if you have any feedback, please share. I'm sorry if there are any typos, but each time I reread this, I add another paragraph. LOL. So, yeah. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads. What did you think about this? Do you have any amazing trip stories you'd like to share? I'd love to read them if they're entertaining. Yeah, bluelight.org, or formerly bluelightart.ru, I don't know when they changed, but obviously I haven't been back in a while, is a, another one of the many sites I like to go to that where people share their drug experiences. And there's a lot of knowledgeable drug users on these sites that do share their wealth of knowledge with each other. And in theory, it is a form of harm reduction as people can learn about uh, what to do and what not to do. All these sites have very no-dealer information and price discussion uh, rules, so you can't go there to learn where to buy drugs. But these people seem to have no problem finding them, so they're all happy. So yeah, drugs, always fun to hear about. I know certain people have their own struggles with drugs and they don't really like to hear it or they think I'm making fun of the drugs. You know, drugs drugs are drugs. Some people can handle them, some people can't. Some people end up being addicted and ruining their lives, and some people just have good stories. Not that you can't have good stories and ruin your life, but if you can avoid ruining your life, even better. Yeah, so that's going to be this episode. If you want to hear my drug stories, you have to meet me in person. (laughs) Anyway, just wanted to uh, wrap this episode up. It's taking me way longer than I would have liked to, to have it finished. At this point, there's not a lot of time left to order those shirts. So order a shirt if you like. Uh, we need uh, today. We still need one shirt to finish the order, and uh, I still have magnets. So, of course, if you want a magnet and a sticker, please email me at lureads at gmail.com. Thanks again to everyone who supports the podcast financially or with reviews or just by downloading the podcast and telling your friends about it. Episodes like this are a great way to introduce the podcast to people. They're just about uh, drug stories and they're typically pretty entertaining. That one story about 2M2B, I thought about editing it out because it was really intensely detailed, but at the same time, I I kind of enjoy that uh, so many people who do drugs are so into all the you know, chemical mechanics of their drug use uh, instead of just being like, I like smoking weed. I like doing coke. Not that there's anything wrong with those things if you like doing them and you can handle your shit. I don't want you freaking out on me. There's nothing worse than like, you know, someone who thinks they can handle their shit and then you then they do their shit and then they can't handle it and you got to call the cops or the ambulance or whatever. I'll tell you a quick story about my former boss at one of my jobs was a uh, very good edibles maker and he had a story of having made edibles one time for a party and a Jamaican guy was there and was like, oh, you want those cookies and my friend was like, oh, you should only eat like half of this. And he was like, I'm Jamaican. This is mother's milk. I can eat whatever. And then like cut to three hours later, he was like on the steps of the building, like begging for someone to call an ambulance because he was dying. <laughs> and of course he wasn't dying. He was just having the classic edible freakout, which is a common thing. You know, people be silly. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You. My name's Lou. This is Lou Reads the Internet for You. Trips from the bluelight.org forums. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Buy a shirt!